Welcome to ARBcast, Water Island Capital's podcast series where we strive to provide investors with concise and timely insights into the world of event-driven investing. Hi, I'm your host, Jennifer Bloodsworth, and joining us today is Matt Ozawicki, Portfolio Manager of the Arbitrage Fund, ticker ARBNX. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure to be here. Matt, it seems like mergers and acquisitions have made the headlines frequently in 2021, and some have referred to it as a tale of two tapes. From record-setting M&A activity to competitive bidding situations to regulatory and antitrust issues, could you walk our listeners through some of the ups and downs that signify 2021? Uh, happy to. So uh, it certainly was a tale of two tapes. To the upside, there were several improved offers in competitive bidding situations. We anticipated this would be the case coming out of a pandemic, as there's often opportunistic shopping uh, taking place. And we saw something very similar in 2009 coming out of the financial crisis. But away from opportunistic bids, we also saw competitive bids arise really from a changing world. One example of that would be the three strategic parties, 2-6, MKSI, and Light, all competing for Coherent. Really, the level of competition for this asset validated Coherent's position along the uh, semiconductor manufacturing chain. Uh, another really good example of this was Hellman Freeman's 390-year-old bid for Zoo Plus, um, which was topped by another private equity firm, EQT, at 470 euros per share. Uh, Zoo Plus is the Chewy of Europe. So during the pandemic, we saw quite a bit of growth pulled forward. And really what was determined at that point was that delivery of pet food uh, supplies was here to stay. And in the end, the two equity private equity firms ended up teaming up and bidding 480 to take the company private, which was a 23% increase over the original terms. So that was really to the upside. We saw different reasons for higher bids or higher outcomes for Mergerar names. To the downside, it was a difficult year regarding uh, antitrust uh, reviews and continued U.S.-China hostilities. The Justice Department sued to block the Willis Tower Watson Aon transaction. The Surface Transportation Board rejected Canadian Nationals' use of the voting trust in their pursuit of Kansas City Southern Rail. We are still waiting on U.S. HSR rulings on Change Healthcare and Aerojet Rocketdyne. And the other aspect is the poor U.S.-China relations have led to significant delays for deals um, that have severe reviews. Um, example of that would be the Xilinx AMD, though coherent with the 2.6. We also saw Cepheus block the magnet chip transaction, which was due to take place with a Chinese private equity firm, Wise Road. So really, again, the tale two tapes did ring very true for 2021 in the competitive bidding, higher bid situation and then drawn out regulatory reviews and outright blocks of transactions. Well, that certainly sounds like an eventful year. What would you say you and the team have learned from some of the challenges you faced in 2021? My 15 years here and the thousands of transactions we've looked at, I, I would say we're constantly learning and, and evaluating a changing landscape. But the big experience from 2021 was there was the anticipation that the Biden administration would help thaw the U.S.-China uh, hostilities uh, and, and thaw that relationship. Uh, we never saw the de-escalation of tensions and, and really coming out of 2021, my belief is the anti-China rhetoric is here for the medium, near to medium term. It's a political win on either side right now. So that's something we have to keep in mind when evaluating deals going forward. So that's a great segue moving into the current environment, Matt. Have you seen the themes that dominated the last year impact the types of deals that are being announced today? Uh, absolutely. So when the Biden administration first came into power, the thinking was the FTC and the DOJ would be 
more stringent regards to pharmaceutical deals, trying to put dampening with the rising prices of uh, drugs. In July, uh, Lena Khan's FTC finally approved Alexion's AstraZeneca transaction. After that transaction was approved, we saw a wave of pharma deals announced. Pfizer uh, agreed to acquire both Trillium and Arena Pharma. Merck, Nova Nordisk, Sanofi all announced transactions of their own. So once that fear of a nuanced antitrust theory used to prevent pharmaceutical deals was eliminated, we saw a kind of a wave of pharma deals come through. Away from pharma, the deals we saw announced in the second half of the year were really deals that would not draw any antitrust concerns. And the easiest way to do that is not only to avoid harm, uh, perceived harm, but to make something that's pro-competitive. And a good example of that was the Kansas City Southern with Canadian Pacific transaction. Kansas City Southern's northernmost asset was in Kansas City. Canadian Pacific's southernmost asset was in Kansas City. So this was a zero overlap, creating a rail that can service all of North America and really provide efficiencies without job losses and create a more competitive landscape for the rail industry. So this was a deal that was easily digestible and actually appeared to be ushered through by the Biden administration. Another example of this pro-competitive type of transaction was Blue Prism being acquired by SSNC. Now, obviously, SSNC is the largest fund administrator of, of hedge funds and private equity firms. Blue Prism is really the, one of the founding fathers of AI, programmable um, software for process automation. The thinking is they'll be able to apply Blue Prism's technology into all the manual intense processes for know your own customer and other administration uh, jobs. So again, another pro-competitive deal that was really ushered through by the regulators. Matt, I know it's early in the year, but what are some of the things you'll be looking out for in the year ahead that could impact your strategy? In the very near term, it's going to be the outcome from some key antitrust reviews that are still outstanding. And we expect them to be resolved in Q1. Those include Aerojet Rocketdyne, acquisition by Lockheed Martin, Change Healthcare by United Healthcare, and the Sanderson Farm by, uh, by Continental. We need to have some idea where the regulators land on these deals that aren't perceived to be anti-competitive, but are in consolidated industries. And that seems to be a big red flag for the regulators at this point. Away from where the regulators land on those outstanding deals, we're also keeping an eye on the Fed rate increases. We need to be cognizant how these rate increases impact our return in the portfolio. But we also need to be cognizant of how they impact the companies themselves. For example, utility deal versus a banking deal. Obviously, banking would benefit much more from a rising rate environment than a utility deal would, a utility asset. And we also need to know what that rate rise, those rate rises mean for growth asset, and that's standalone value and the conviction of the acquirer to go through the transaction, especially for the longer dated deals. Um, away from that, we're focused on really the drivers of MA activity and, and want to make sure they remain supportive. That's the corporate balance sheets. That's the general health uh, of, uh, of companies. Uh, PE firms remain flush with cash and have been active. That financing is still available and near historical lows for private equity firms and strategics. Uh, as long as the Fed rate, uh, rate rises remain uh, modest. So 
Speaking of rising rates, interestingly, many investors view the merger arbitrage strategy as a fixed income alternative due to its similar risk reward profile and its low correlation. So the prospects of rising rates coupled with extremely low yields has alarmed many of those investors. Could you talk about why rising rates can actually be a tailwind for your strategy? Absolutely. So the main reason is the duration of our portfolio. Typically, uh, a tender offer can be as short as 40 days. A cash merger can be as short as 90 days. Uh, at any given moment, our, our weighted capital duration can be 40, 45, 50 days. So with that ultra short duration of steady rising rate environment, there's no threat to the current positions. And then as deals close and that cash rolls off the books, we can redeploy that cash at the new higher return environment. A merger arm spread is, has two components. And the one is short-term rates and the second component is deal risk premium uh, the risk for underwriting the likelihood of the transaction will close merger our community has been operating in a near zero rate environment since the financial crisis so any potential short-term rate increase would be welcomed by the merger our community as, as uh, it would be reflected in higher return environment for the strategy Again, we've been speaking with Matt Ozawicki, Portfolio Manager of the Arbitrage Fund, ticker ARBNX. Matt, thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. For those listening who may not be familiar with Water Island Capital, we are an asset management firm with a proven 20-year track record in event-driven strategies across public mutual funds, private investment vehicles, and recently our line of ETFs, allowing clients to choose the best format for their exposure. For more information on us or our funds, please visit our website at arbitragefunds.com or call our resource desk at 800-560-8210. 